Watch podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch podcast, we are going to be discussing an article from the September issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled What to Do with High Nitrate Forge. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by Dr. Mary Junowski, who's a Nebraska Extension Beef Systems Specialist. Thanks for joining me today, Mary. Well, thanks for inviting me, Aaron. I'm happy to be able to share uh, some of my knowledge with uh, the listeners. Well, Mayor, as we look across much of the state, we've seen a big part of Nebraska is under drought conditions, and we're also seeing a shortage of forage. And so that's encouraging people to look at summer annuals and some other things that they would have planted to use for feed, and now consider what are their options as they look at some of these drought-stressed plants. One of the challenge with drought stress plants, in particular annual forages, is that they can be high in nitrate. In this article, you highlight some key things producers should think through and really evaluate as they consider utilizing these forages. Help us think through those things as we consider what our options are right now. Well, as I think about the options, right, there's really three options for utilization, or maybe I should say four. Um, there's one option, which would be to graze those forages. And there is some opportunity for that because uh, there is some things that lower risk, which we'll talk about with grazing. Another option would be uh, to cut it for silage if the moisture content is still high enough to be able to do so. Uh, the third option would be to harvest it as hay, and that's typically what a lot of people want to be able to do, but it's also probably one of the worst options in that it's going to result in the highest nitrate forage and thus you're gonna to have to be able to manage it very carefully to be able to use it. Fourth option, of course, is to say, nah, it's too much risk and I'm not gonna use it at all. Let's talk a little bit about grazing the forage. Why is this less risky than some of the other options and what might be a good approach if you have some high nitrates in forages in terms of grazing? Well, there's actually quite a few reasons why uh, grazing may be a really great option for using some of the high nitrate forages. Um, the first one is just how cattle naturally graze if you allow them access um, to, say, for instance, a whole field. And so you have a lower stocking density, you know, they're going to tend to be selective. And that means that they're going to tend to take off um, the leaf and the tops of the plants first. By doing so, they're actually selecting uh, plant parts that are lower in nitrate. So if you go out and sample and, and cut, you know, that plant at, let's say, eight inches, um, what you would assess the nitrate to be and what their actual intake is would be very different. Um, so that's a real positive in that you're kind of allowing them to do some self-adaptation because there are microbes in the rumen that can help detoxify uh, nitrate and you just got to build up that population. So uh, allowing them to slowly work their way down into the canopy into some of the higher nitrate plant parts uh, can be beneficial. If it's really, really high nitrates, then just grazing lightly and allowing them to select off the lowest nitrate stuff also is kind of nice. Another reason why grazing can be a little bit lower risk is that when the plant it is still moist, um, it releases nitrate into the rumen more slowly. And that's a benefit because that means that the bacteria that are present can keep up with the nitrate inflow and detoxify it um, at a, uh, a rate equivalent to basically its conversion from nitrate to the toxic compound, which is actually nitrite. 
the bottom line is they can keep up with the inflow better, which means there's less likely to have toxicity. Um, the other one is that uh, grazing tends to allow them to select uh, the higher digestibility components. And because they can select those higher digestibility components, um, especially if it's an immature forage, that means that they have more energy coming into the rumen and more energy coming into the rumen allows the bacteria that are detoxifying uh, to grow and multiply faster. And there's actually some really good data that shows even feeding like two pounds of corn per cow can really reduce um, the risk of nitrates. So if it's not a really high quality forage, maybe your option is grazing and doing a little bit of grain supplementation to get the energy content up and help them in the room and deal with um, those nitrates. The last kind of reason is really about intake and its rate of intake. When they're grazing, rate of intake is going to be slower often than if they were eating out of a bunk or eating off of a bale. And that's just because how much they get in the bite is different, right? So if they're grazing, the amount they consume in a bite is likely less than the amount they get out of a, a mouthful of hay. And that's a benefit because, um, again, it's all about rate of inflow of nitrates. The more slow it comes in to the rumen, the better um, for, for those bacteria to be able to deal with it and not result in accumulation of nitrite uh, and that can get into the bloodstream. One of the things you mentioned in the article you want to be careful not to do is to strip graze high nitrate forages. And I guess give a little more perspective about why you want to be careful with that. As we look at limited forage, many people are thinking, I want to try to get all I can, but yep. you really discourage people from doing that as they consider grazing high nitrate feeds. Yeah, there's two reasons for not strip grazing. Um, the first one is then you have reduced selectivity. So now you're forcing them to eat uh, the lower uh, part of the plant that is higher nitrate, like right away. Um, so they can't self-adapt. And the other is uh, that when you strip graze, you tend to um, have some limiting of intake, which means that when you open up a new section, the rate of intake is going to be more rapid um, right away. So um, what kind of happens is, is that you're forcing two things you really don't want to happen. You want slow and steady intakes and um, you want them to be able to be selective and strip grazing does not allow either of those. Let's talk a little bit about the silage option for high nitrate feeds. Why might this be a good opportunity and what are some things to think through with that? Well, um, the, the benefit of ensiling is that through the ensiling process, um, nitrates can be uh, converted into ammonia essentially. Um, so you, you can decrease the amount of nitrate by 40 to 60% in that feedstuff by ensiling it. Um, so that's a really positive thing, especially if it is high nitrates. Now, the challenge is you've got to get good fermentation. And to be able to do that, there's two key variables in my mind. One is you got to have the right moisture. Um, so that 65 to 70% moisture so that you can actually get fermentation to happen. And the other is that you need to be able to pack it well and not have a lot of oxygen in there. So packing it and even covering it can help increase uh, the amount of benefit you get because you'll get better fermentation, which means you'll get more loss of nitrate. In fact, 
um, just anecdotal evidence of in siling uh, when you have either too high of moisture or it's too dry, they've actually seen um, a lot less reduction in nitrates. In some cases, no reduction in nitrates um, because they're not getting proper fermentation. Uh, so it can be great, but you've got to manage your uh, silage production well. The other thing to remember is that you really got to let it get fermented. And so at least 21 days longer would be better. Um, so you got to get it to go through the whole fermentation phase to get that conversion. Um, green chop is the worst thing you can do. You do not want to feed green chop because during that first phase, you will get nitrate being converted to its more toxic form, nitrite. Um, and you don't want to be feeding straight nitrite to an animal. Um, so you definitely don't want to feed green chop. You definitely want to wait until it gets fully fermented and then you can use it. I guess the other thing I think that silage provides a good opportunity to do is it can provide a base for a ration. And so the opportunity to dilute that silage with some other feed uh, can work well also. Yeah, exactly. Actually, um, that's, that's a huge benefit of silage is that whatever the nitrate level is that you have, now you can manage it by how much of other ingredients you include in the diet. So what we typically suggest is you know, start out a little bit less than a thousand parts per million of nitrate nitrogen in the total diet. And then you can actually start increasing slowly over time if you say have a lot of this really high nitrate silage um, or other high nitrate feeds, you can actually slowly start increasing as you allow those cattle to adapt. But the great thing about managing silage is that it makes it really easy to make a diet. The last option is harvesting it for hay, and this is one that I think can be the most difficult in terms of trying to get something that you can effectively utilize, especially with real high nitrate forage. Share with us what the options are there, some things to think through, if that's really what people have as their option. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it is the only option, uh, unfortunately, but it also is uh, potentially the most uh, toxic uh, option. And what I mean by that is um, if we think about the level of nitrate in hay that might cause toxicity, it is lower likely than the other two instances that we were just talking about. There's a couple reasons for that, one of which is rate of intake, one of which is that release uh, of nitrate out of the feed stuff in the rumen. Hay that release is very rapid. Um, and then the other challenge, of course, with hay is that often there'll be hot spots. And so, unfortunately, like when you go and you bale hay, uh, you will have spots in the field maybe that have, let's say, they were a little bit more droughty. And so they have a little bit higher nitrate. And you bale that up. And now, like that section of that bale happens to be very high nitrate. And unfortunately, if you offer that bale to a cow or even roll it out, often one animal is going to be sitting there and she's going to eat that spot. So you may have something that looks okay, right, on a test, and it maybe it's 1,500 parts per million, but she eats something that's like 4,000 and she may not have been adapted to that and poof, we have a dead cow. So with hay we have to be, uh, the best thing we could do would be to grind and blend into a diet. Um, so I know that a lot of people don't have that option, but that is the lowest risk situation because again, you can manage how much nitrate each animal is consuming. 
Um, also, again, feeding some grain. The other thing about hay is we often tend to have more mature forages that we hay because we want that yield. Um, the negative of that is usually the quality is a little bit lower, which means that we don't have as much energy. Um, so if you are feeding hay, feeding some corn or other grain to bring up the energy content in the diet uh, can help them be able to deal with some of those nitrates. If, if you cannot grind and blend, and, and I am highly recommending that, it is worth uh, the money to be able to do if you have high nitrate feeds because it can really reduce risk. Another option is to unroll, but now you want to unroll a low nitrate hay um, each day, get those cows filled up, and then roll out a high nitrate hay so that you uh, lower the rate of intake and you're blending um, what they're consuming in a day. That's still quite a high risk situation because uh, depending on how they consume, right, they may end up having a diet that's much higher than you, you would have predicted based off of what you provided. What are some other resources that would be helpful producers to look at and really think through as they consider what they might do with managing high nitrate forages? Well, I, I think, um, of course, one of the things is you've got to test, right? You don't, you don't have a clue where you're at until you test. And so as you think about what the options are, if that is out in the field and you're trying to uh, get a good idea of what's there, I, you need to think about how you want to utilize it and test accordingly. Cutting it to say ground level um, gives you the worst case scenario, right? The highest concentration of what you might um, be providing to an animal. And it's probably fairly close to what you'd be doing with hay. If you're going to graze, you know, you may do something where you sample at different heights of the plant or even just take the leaves in the top part of the plant to see what you think you would be grazing and then maybe also do the whole plant to give you an idea. Here's the worst case scenario. Here's what I'd probably be doing if I was grazing because more information is better in this case and testing for nitrates. It's not super expensive um, and it's are really easy to pay for if you think about losing just one cow. Uh, one point I did not make about feeding hay is that if you have high nitrate hay and it gets rained on and it's damp, um, it can be a lot more toxic because you can have some fermentation happening in there. Um, so don't feed damp high nitrate hay. You've got to wait for it to dry out so that you do not have um, nitrite presence, kind of like feeding green chop. Uh, so if it's high nitrate hay, protecting it from rain actually is uh, a benefit to you to be able to continue to utilize it at any point. One of the other things I think you mentioned, and I just want to encourage folks to consider also is often depending on the crop, the nitrates are more concentrated in the bottom third of the stem. And so there can be some advantage also of raising the cutter bar. Obviously, you're not going to get as much tonnage, but Raising the cutter bar also means you're probably getting a higher quality hay as well. Great point. Um, for hay and silage production, it can be a great way to manage the nitrate content as well as the quality. Um, and again, you're sacrificing a little bit of quantity, but in this case, it might make it be able to be used where if it's really high in nitrate and you cut it down to the ground, it may be much harder to use and you may have to have the added expense, for instance, of grinding. Anything else on this topic you'd like to highlight as we point towards wrapping this up? 
Well, I think um, my last comment would be for producers, if, if they have questions or concerns and they want just somebody to take a look and see what they've got and help them work through uh, a good management plan, um, I would suggest that they do contact their local extension educators um, and they can get you either they can provide information or they can get you in contact with somebody that can, because I do think there's a lot of management things you can do to lower risk. And I think just talking through uh, management considerations to make sure you don't do something that might cause a problem and that you do all the right things to help reduce risk uh, can be very beneficial. Thanks again for joining me today. Yeah, thanks, uh, Aaron. I appreciate the opportunity. For more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. At the website, we have a lot of additional resources on this topic.